Welcome to Entertaining the Idea, where we discuss our differing opinions on the creative process and the business of creating entertainment. I'm your host, John McStravick, and this is my partner. Hey, I'm Anthony Hudex. Hello, oh. Anthony. Uh, usually goes by Tony, so I will call yeah, you Yeah, I know. Except when I do like stand-up and stuff like that, I always go by Anthony. And I think it's because I have such terrible diction when I'm up on stage that like people would be like, oh, Tommy, Tommy, Tommy Hudex. And I'm like, nope, it's Tony. So I'm like, you know what? It's Anthony. Like, hey, I'm Anthony Hudex. So that's my thing. Yeah, luckily my I have a one-syllable first name that uh, can't get muffled too much because I do the same thing. I mumble a lot, but uh, so I, I feel your pain. All right, so uh, we're back again with episode number two. Hopefully uh, none of you thought the first episode was a complete dumpster fire, the, the five or six people of you who listened, so we'll try to keep, build off of that. Uh, all right, well, so then let's start off again. Uh, what were you watching this week, Tony? I happened to catch The Town, and The, town, the Ben Affleck movie... Um, that he uh, stars in, he directed, and then um, had a heavy hand in writing. Um, and it's one of those movies, it's one of the few movies that I have that I always, if I see it on television, I'm always going to stop and watch it. It's just like, it's that, it's Die Hard, um, The Departed, um, you know, anything like that. I, I stop and I'll, I'll watch the whole thing. So I was watching it, and as I was doing it, I actually pulled up the script that I had, because I have, I like doing this as well, where you read the script along with uh, the movie to see how they do different things. And one of the interesting things that I noticed about The Town was there's this scene in it where Ben Affleck, uh, for anybody who hasn't seen The Town, this will be spoiler alert, but um, what happens is Ben Affleck is a bank robber. He falls in love with this witness to the bank robbery that they do in the beginning, and he starts falling for her over the course of the movie, and then... um, Meanwhile, it's this like fight he's having with John Hamm, who's the FBI guy trying to bring down the crew. So there was a really interesting thing that I saw when I was going through the script while watching it, and it was about the placement of the first time that you meet Ben Affleck's dad, who's played by Chris Cooper, who gets sent up to prison for also a, a bank robbery gone wrong. And in the movie... Ben Affleck has this long monologue about his, his oh, hang on, my daughter's going to come in. All right. So anyway, Ben Affleck gives this long monologue to this woman that he's falling in love with that basically talks about his mother leaving and how his dad really didn't care or didn't know how to deal with it. So then the next scene is Ben Affleck visits him in prison and then he talks about it. So you get this feeling that Ben Affleck talking to his like girlfriend brings up these emotions in him about his mom. So it makes him a very, it makes that relationship really strong between him and the girl. In the script, that scene doesn't come until after Ben Affleck is questioned by John Hamm, and he basically says, I'm gonna, like, your father has a long time left on his prison sentence, and we're gonna, we're gonna fuck him, basically. And then Ben Affleck goes up and he does the thing. And that makes the, that makes it seem like John Hamm got to Ben Affleck. So then that becomes this like more interesting thing. And I just found that really interesting that you can have this like by changing where one scene is, you change the whole dynamic between two characters. So anyway, that was I watched that. That was the new thing that I learned from watching The Town for the 500th time. So love it. Go see it. Reading the script while watching the movie is something I always want to do. And I haven't actually done it much because 
what I'll do is I, the reason being is that because I want to watch the movie first just as the movie. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, wow, I really would like to know how they did that in the script to understand better how to write a certain scene a certain way because it's like I like how they did that and I would be curious how they wrote it and then how does that reflect into the actual filming of it but I don't mm-hmm. get around to it much but that seems really interesting because that's those are the type of things then you find out is that they rearranged something they changed a big point within the script that finally is in the screen I remember one of the movies I did it with was the drummer movie with Damien Chazelle oh Whiplash Whiplash yes and I remember reading the script and then watching the movie and realizing how much they changed it not a whole lot, but enough of smaller uh, aspects of the script were changed in the movie and it made the movie not as strong as the script was. Yeah, well, the weird thing was, in the movie, they cut out the whole... Again, this is spoiler alerts for anybody who hasn't seen Whiplash, but in the script, there's this whole other thing where he goes and starts hanging out with the professor again when the professor's a jazz musician and he, like, goes to his house and, like, he sees that the guy's all sad and that... He actually has his drum set that he threw out after he was kicked out of school. Like, it's this really weird thing. And it goes into this really weird dark tangent into this guy's life, which makes you see him get pulled back into the life of, like, being controlled by J.K. Simmons. And that was really interesting to me that they took that out. And the other thing that was interesting to me about the Whiplash script is the Paul Reiser character in the script is so much more just trying to connect with his son. Whereas in the movie, they cut all those scenes out. Like they cut out the scenes where he's like really trying to understand like what his son is going through and everything. So it isn't, the script feels very much like a fight between Paul Reiser as uh, the father and JK Simmons as the mentor and trying to pull them together. And that just isn't in the movie as much. Yeah, they, they kind of weakened the Paul Reiser character, the father character, and made him look a little more pathetic. And yeah, there, there was less understanding from that character. And it, it just, you know, I, I think it, that's happens, though, once you actually film something and there's other uh, other aspects you have to take into consideration. But it did make it it seem less impactful than it was in the script itself. So the script did read better. Um, okay, so is there anything else? Or is that the main thing that you've seen this week? That was the main thing this week, yeah. Very cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, this week, uh, and I th- we're going to touch on this a little more. I watched the Oscars, which I enjoyed, but that's actually going to be uh, setting up. That'll be our, <laughs> that will be our uh, main topic uh, of this week. Yeah, so we'll, yeah. we'll touch on more of that when we get there. Uh, I also watched this week, uh, I just started last night. I checked it out. It was called The World's Most Extraordinary Homes. It's a new show on Netflix. Which was interesting because these houses are just uh, very extreme climates and then they're designed within their climates and they look very interesting. The show is just okay. Uh, the hosts are a little pedantic and, and a little over the top because they're this like quirky British. Uh, they're not they're not a couple, but they're, it's this pairing and it's, it's strange. But the houses look pretty cool to see into uh, a life that uh, I have no idea about. Uh, and I also like design a lot, so I find that interesting. Uh, just standard shows, the Modern Family, The Middle. But then the other good, uh, what I watched this week was Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, the uh, Wes Anderson movie oh, with yeah. uh, Bill Murray. Have you ever seen it? I have seen it. And that's uh, that actually is one of my least favorite ones of his. Um, but I know a lot of people like really fetishize that one and really love it. And a lot of that, I think, is the, the, the love of Bill Murray 
um, that a lot of people have. I definitely can see, yeah, the the hipster side of people really clinging to that one. I still enjoyed it. I would agree. It's not my top Anderson pick, but uh, what I appreciate, he tried a lot of different things that aren't as normal in his movies and, and seemed to stretch out a little bit. And I always appreciate that when an artist tries a few new aspects, storytelling tools, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and I, I liked it in that regard because he was doing that some parts were a little slower or didn't quite connect like they usually do but then there was a moment towards the end of the movie where i he just hit on a really great sentimental moment i thought when they find the shark yeah it's just like a really good moment that it did the build-up paid off that moment when it happened and i thought that was really good and it was funny to watch him try out the stop motion uh, because he was then did uh, the Fantastic Mr. Fox, I think, right after that. But you could see him dabbling with stop motion r- with that first in small little scenes because they made it a little bit more of this uh, fantasyful world as far as like the sea creatures that they have in the movie. So they played with that and made them use the stop motion for that. But it looked all really good. I thought it looked great in Wes Anderson style. Wes Anderson has one of the best like eyes and style, I, I think, out there. And I... I loved the Royal Tannenbaums, and I mean, I even loved Bottle Rockets, like, back in the day. Like, that was one of my favorite, like, indie movies. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. And it's like the birth of the Wilson brothers and everything. But uh, Royal Tannenbaums will always be my favorite of his. I just think that movie is so spot on. And he's so good at creating uh, these really touching and poignant moments between really bizarre characters. And I think the only other people that I can really see do that consistently well are the Coen brothers, where you get these really touching moments between characters that you're like, the f***? You know, like, they're not like anybody you would know, but they're so good. Yeah, and he does a good way of setting them all up, and you kind of know what you're getting into at the beginning of a Wes Anderson movie, but it's... His style, the way he sets it up, because I'm not usually big on a narration, but he uses it very, very well to set up the characters because they are so bizarre. So he's able to set the scene with them. And you are then you are able to get attached to them quicker in a normal way that would take a lot more uh, smaller scenes to get you into where you need to be. But which is why it's cool. And uh, just aesthetically, the style that he uses with his dead on shots and everything is very symmetrical. I just enjoy mm-hmm. that because you don't see that too often. It reminds me of uh, Paul Thomas Anderson as well. Yeah. does a lot of that. But uh, so I, I liked it again. It's not probably my favorite Wes Anderson, but again, I enjoyed it for him trying a few different things that he does in his storytelling ways. Uh, so that was uh, what I saw this week. Uh, moving on then uh, let's get to the uh, current, uh, current event topic of the week. And the news story that I saw this week that I thought it was interesting we could uh, dive into a little bit was the MoviePass CEO. And the MoviePass is that subscription service where you pay, I think it's down to $10 a month, and you can see as many mm-hmm. movies as you want a week, uh, with the one caveat being only one movie a day. But you can go to practically any theater in the country and just pay for it with this movie pass, and they take care of it on their back end and for $10 a month. So what happened this week, though, was that their CEO came out at some sort of conference or meeting of people within this field saying that they also, with their app, you have to use the app to buy their tickets, uh, the the movies you want to go to. They also track you before and after the movie so they know how you get to the uh, movie, when you leave to go to the movie, what you do after the movie. Do you stop at a bar? Do you stop at a restaurant? Do you do something else? Do you go straight home? 
And the whole pitch is that they, they're gathering all this information about their customers so that they can then bundle this up and either sell this information to like advertisers or bundle it up and create their own fuller experience. And it's not just the movies anymore. And so now there's been a lot of debate going on about this. I find it completely creepy uh, that a company is still following you when you're not using their product actively. I, I have a big problem with that. And then there's other issues of like how viable is MoviePass overall? Is it okay to trade? I mean, you, if you're only paying $10 a month, of course you're going to be trading off something else because that's not a viable business model. They're losing money on that side of it. So what are your thoughts? Uh, listen, I, we're in the future. You know, I'm I am happy to be in the future with all this stuff. And with that trade-off comes our smartphones. And our smartphones are smart and smarter than us. And they're tracking all of our stuff. It's just what you do. If you there's no such thing as a free lunch. If you're paying ten dollars a month to go to one movie a day, and you can see three hundred and sixty-five movies a year if you want. For $10 a month, yeah, they're going to be tracking your other information. Like, this isn't, to me, I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, Facebook is listening in on what you're doing. Yep. Like, Google is tracking what you're searching. Uh-huh. Like, you know, this is welcome to the future. Like, either get on board or stop using your phone. Like, you can just go to, like, you can go to the store and buy a burner phone and just use that and have the same phone number. Pay $50 put your minutes on there and have a phone. But everybody wants to pretend like, oh, I want all this cool stuff and then it's not gonna be a thing. Yeah, people are tracking you. They're tracking your every move. Like your privacy is gone. So, I, I mean, if you wanna use it, this is what you're doing. I have no problem with it personally. Like, I, you know what you signed up for. Is it something that you would sign up for? I do, I use it. Oh, I you have, have movie fast? Yeah, yeah, we live, we literally live two blocks from a movie theater and I use MoviePass all the time. If my wife and kid fall asleep early, I get up and I go to the movies. Like I'm probably going to see Red Sparrow tonight because I know like my wife's been like running around all week. My daughter's tired. They're probably going to be in bed by 10 o'clock and I could sit around and try and figure out what's on Netflix or what's on Hulu. Or I can like walk up the street and you know, watch Red Sparrow. So, like, it, it, good. It'll track me. It'll be like, oh, look at 10 o'clock. I hope it even is like, look at he's a little tipsy. I can tell that he's kind of wobbling a bit. It's like, you know, like, I, I don't care. Like, you... Well, yeah. I personally, I, I don't like being tracked and I am very selective of any service that I allow to have my information as best as possible. I know even with any safeguards that I try to take, I'm sure I'm still being monitored and tracked by companies in ways that I'm not even aware I can uh, of what's happening. But that being said, I'm aware of this and I always figured for $10 a month, I mean, there's going to be another shoe that drops at some point where you start finding out that they have another way of making money and you figure they're selling information. They've kind of been upright about up front about that. They're not necessarily hiding that. But this goes beyond that because that's not what is allowed with apps. And I think that they're circumventing things. The other with part of it was supposedly he might have just been saying this not actually happening yet where it's like the future in which they hope they can do so that they can again there's also talks again it's a, what, what are they going to do with this information are they going to just sell it to other people or are they going to bundle it themselves to then make a whole experience out of it where like if you go to this theater say you go to your movie theater down the street but 
you also you're going to be on a date with your wife so then you go well we can have dinner and have a reservation already made and we sit down and we already had the food coming out by the time we sit down because you ordered ahead of time and then you're you have a quicker dinner and then you're able to get to the movie and then you already have your popcorn and your sodas or whatever your alcohol that you want ready for at the at the theater so that's the questions of like is this another way to jump make this a bigger experience that they're going to be selling to you oh come on it listen this is all just it's hooey like they're tracking you apple's tracking you if you want to be if you want to use smart technology you're going to be tracked if you don't like that's the thing is you can totally opt out i mean people are saying this like it's it's this big revelation or that this is like people are losing their minds over this as if it's like a thing it's not read like if you okay let me just back up if you don't want to be a part of this read your terms of service which will probably lay out what they're doing whether they're going to track before after during whether it's on whether it's off and if you don't want to be a part don't use a smartphone like yeah, it's well, not I, I that's why i i don't use it and i i science I've questioned about using it because I have a few of my friends started using the movie pass and like, Oh, have you gotten it yet? I was like, no, I haven't gotten it yet. And I, but I always felt like there's, this is, it feels wrong on a couple of levels. Cause it's like $10 a month to see as many movies as you want. It seems like that's too good to be true. And it ends up, it's going to be too good to be true. Like they're going to be tracking you. And, and I don't like those kind of, I don't like that. So that's what my choice is to not use it oh, then. And okay. I don't think I will do it. Let me posit this question to you. Okay. If someone said to you, like, average cost of a movie ticket out here in, in Los Angeles is probably about 17 bucks, right? Right. Okay. 10 bucks a month. So if somebody said, hey, I'll give you seven bucks for you to tell me where you've been for the last couple hours, would you be like, yeah? No. I, I would. Uh, see, I'd be like, I, sure, I, give I'm me your no, seven no, bucks. I, I value my information of whatever that info is that it's worth more doing, than what John? the service, the value I get out of any of these type of services. That's why I Where don't use Google. You? I don't have Google. I don't use Google. I don't have a Google account. I don't use Google Maps. I don't type in the Google. I use a different search engine. I, Who do you use? DuckDuckGo? I do use DuckDuckGo. Uh, I, I, I barely go on Facebook. I mean, I have an account, but I don't post things to Facebook. Are you on the deep web? Uh, I... I, I've had a Tor browser installed before, but they, everything breaks. That breaks the internet, though. So it, there is there is a there is a level where I got to accept some some liability of of just using the the open internet. I I think you should go back to writing letters to people. Don't I, I even should email. Yeah, just exactly. I, I I'll just print up pictures and hand them out to people. Yeah, I I mean, look, I I send postcards. I don't care if people read my stuff. I get that there's a bigger, like, national security issue. Like, if the government was doing that without your knowledge or when the government does that without your knowledge, I'm completely against that. When you have an app that you're paying money for that obviously that's what they're doing, it's your choice. It's your choice. You know what's going on. And if you pretend that you don't, you're just pretending to be ignorant so that you can get something for free. Okay. All right. Well, moving on from just the privacy aspect of it, do you think you have it? So you think that it MoviePass as a business is a viable business, and it's also do you think it's good for the movie theater industry as a whole? Because there's been a lot of pushback from the movie theater chains that they don't like this, and it's kind of confusing. They don't. It's not exactly purely understood their 
base argument of why these aren't good. It's just that it seems there one argument. It seems that I, from what I understand from reading things is that it's devaluing the overall experience of going to the movies and makes people think that it should be cheaper and should be like near free. Do you, where do you fall in on that? Listen, that to me is it. It's when you're, you know, say to your girlfriend, Oh, you're the prettiest without like, and that you don't look at any other girls or you don't find any of any other person attractive. It is a they are an industry that makes money by getting people in the door. What MoviePass does is when you sign up for or when you go in and click that you're at a movie, it loads the amount of the ticket onto your card and then you swipe it. The movie theater is getting paid the ticket price and then you're going to the concession stand. What the movie theaters don't want is they don't want movie studios to start raising their prices because they're like, you're not incurring any of the cost. So what they don't want is for their overhead to go up. So they're pretending that they don't like this. They, the special of the specialness of going to the movie theater, like, are we back in the age of concierges? Like, there's 16-year-old kids who are high as f- giving me a ticket there's nothing special about going to the movie theater i had literally somebody the other day who was like 10 o'clock at night going to the movies and the kid was stoned out of his and he's just like (laughs) he's just like trying to handle my order which was just a soda and popcorn specialness of the movie theater please please i i i don't i i have to push back against this I had to push back against that because I, I, I mean, I could just be a naive romantic or something, but there's something about going to the movies for me that is exciting. I am more particular about what movies I choose to go watch in the theater. I won't just go see anything. I like what I'm going to be spending my $17 on better be something that I'm pretty darn sure I'm going to like and enjoy, which I'd say 90% of the time I, I, I'm, I have a pretty good batting average. when I go to the movies that I like a movie they end up seeing. And there has been different years where I've gone more often than other years. And those are the years where I start to sometimes see moves. Ah, it was just okay. And, but I still go into the movies. Like there's a different environment of it because I get to just sit there and take in the whole movie. I'm not interrupted by my cell phone. I don't have the uh, urge or the itch to look over and check a phone or a message that comes in while I'm like sitting in front of my TV. It's completely 100% focus on the story that's in front of me on the screen. And particularly then when you go on like a opening weekend of a bigger movie, like there's just a buzz and a vibe that adds to the whole experience of it. For sure. So I, I, I can understand a little bit. I do think it's a false a false argument though about the what the movie theaters are trying to say that the movie pass necessarily devalues that experience because is it a zero sum game sort of in the sense that they just have to compete like they have other things they're competing against nowadays be it TVs and streaming services and video games and whatever else so they have to actually just up their game my other worry though then is that they get to make it too gimmicky and it takes away from the essence of actually going to the movies which is just focusing on one thing in front of you yeah i it's dumb like they're just saying that so that they they're saying that so that the movie studios like think that they're falling in line there's no way there's no way that any business is sitting around saying oh you know what we want less people coming through the door because it's more special for them like what are they maseratis like you, nobody cares. You you want more people through the door. 
Or else you would have, like, sommeliers of movies that are telling you exactly what your experience should be. I, I was listening to another podcast that was talking about this a little bit, too, and they brought up the point that there's a certain class of those movie pass people who literally do go every single day to the movie theater. And their point was, well, most likely they're going to, like, some afternoon show if that's that type of person or some other random time that the theaters are mostly empty anyway, so they're getting butts in the seat, period. And... Out of those 365 days, I'm sure they're buying more popcorn and soda than that normally would be purchased because there's actually a butt in the seat rather than nobody there at all. So, and that's that's traditionally from what they say is where the movie theaters make most of their money is from the concessions and other extras, not the actual ticket itself. Right. Well, they have to split the ticket with the with the studio. I think what is it like 70 30 or something or 80 20? It's something crazy where I like. They're splitting the ticket price, so or they have it up until the the movie is paid off or whatever, or the print is paid or whatever. It's there's one thing I hate, and that's posturing. I hate it when people are like standing around, like posturing, like oh, we're just trying. No, you're not. You just want people in the theater. That's all you care about. You want people in the theater, and you can't turn around and complain that you have to compete against Netflix and Hulu and people staying at home and bigger TVs, and then turn around and be like, well, the movie experience should be something so much better. It's it's garbage. It's garbage. They're making garbage arguments. Well, we'll leave it at that. All right. I'm sure this will continue to come up. Uh, Movie Pass doesn't seem like it's going away. Uh, I, I don't know if they'll be able to stay at $10 a month, honestly. I don't think they will. Then let's move on to the main topic of the day. And we mentioned it briefly at the top of the show. And that is the Oscars. So the Oscars Yay. were just aired recently. And... It was the normal fanfare that you get for the Oscars coming up and the Hollywood hype machine gets rolling. Uh, But what I want to talk about, though, is how it has become kind of a punching bag, though, the Oscars, in addition to other the other major legacy award shows. But the Oscars is the top of the top. This is the 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 alpha dog of uh, award shows and how it because, like I said, it's become the punching bag. It's become the place where everybody sends all their anger and resentment towards Whatever, actually, not just Hollywood, just whatever their little picadillo is, it seems like the Oscars becomes that whipping dog for their specific issue. And I have a problem with that, and I'm always frustrated by it because the Oscars has evolved into becoming a slave to many masters, and nobody ever seems happy about it now at the end of the day. And I I don't understand that why people put so much onto the Oscars when, in the end, it's a celebration of movies, Regardless of there, there's many aspects of it and we can get into that. One of the common complaints would be how can you have a competitive show about subjective art? I totally disagree with that, that sentiment. And I, I don't understand why people get so angry about the fact that, that we make movies compete against each other for on award shows. I, I think it's fine because in the end, it's bringing attention to movies itself. It's a celebration of movies. It's let's enjoy the, the art of making movies. So where are you? Where do you stand on Oscars? I'm with you on that. I, I I think that it's definitely if you looked at it purely as a celebration of movies and a way to recognize films that are doing something that is extraordinary or uh, performances that are extraordinary or anything like that, I totally get it. But again, like I was just saying about posturing, so much of the Oscars has always been about posturing like it's when you give denzel washington an oscar for training day 
Not that he wasn't great in Training Day. Not that Training Day wasn't a great movie. Like, not that watching Denzel Washington play a villain wasn't great to see. But, like, really? That was the award that you would give him an, an Oscar for? It's obviously done to then make up for the fact that you overlooked so many other awards that he should have gotten an Oscar for. Pan's Labyrinth, which was brilliant. Like, there are, there's maybe, like, five movies I've cried at my entire life, and Pan's Labyrinth was brutal, and I cried at that movie. Like, such a great movie. And then, like, Grinding Nemo? That's the one that's going to take the award for Best Picture? Like, these are makeup awards. And if you could reset it, and you could have it so that we're going to start right now, and we're going to be like who actually deserves to be recognized as the best this year's Richard Deakins for uh he wins for Blade Runner after being denied so many times you can't tell me Blade Runner was his best work the man makes beautiful beautiful pictures like I know I was pretty shocked that it was his first I was shocked that it was his first Oscar when they, when they <sighs> announced that but like it, that's obviously a makeup award. They're like, people are like, holy crap, he's never won? Why are we not throwing awards at this guy? And that to me is like just insane. It's bonkers to me. Like, Baby Driver lost for editing. And if anybody has seen Baby Driver, the fact that it did not win for editing as the best edited film of the year is crazy. Go research what they needed to do to edit that film. They were editing in real time on set. That's just nuts. And it's like, well, we have to give it to Dunkirk because it's a giant movie that deserves awards. Ah, that this is this is my frustration of the Oscars is it's just all made up posturing. All right. My counter argument to that is who cares? Like what what does it matter in the end of the day who actually wins what they actually win for i think that in the sum of it it's just about the idea that you're calling attention to movies in general than the movies themselves that represent the current climate of what movies are you look at the movies that were nominated back in say like i'm just picking a year like 1992 whatever those were that's just an encapsulation of the type of movies that were being made in that that year and in that era and it's the same thing that you could say for now, like what is being nominated today? What is winning today? I, I think it's more important to look at the nominations than you do the actual who wins the awards because it, those awards are, are given out mostly because of behind the scene politicking of all these you know, industry types. They're not all based purely on merit. And I'm not saying they are. And I completely, I understand. I there, there are there are makeup awards that they do. Like Martin Scorsese, it took him his entire career until like three or four years ago, whatever the part it was, to actually win the best directing, which seems crazy. But is Martin Scorsese hurting because he he's never had an Oscar? Like, it, it, has his career been has his career been sidetracked because he hasn't won an Oscar? Who cares? And it's like, are is there maybe somebody that particular year that deserves it more? If you're gonna go in a purely sort of objective, subjective way, sure, I guess you can make that argument. But again, everything is subjective anyway, so who cares? But that's the thing, and that's where it gets me, is because you can always hide behind the thing of 
it's all subjective, so you can't tell. Who, like, can you really say that, you know, Willem Dafoe did a worse job acting than Richard Jenkins? Like, can you, like, nobody can make that argument. They're, anybody who was nominated was giving great performances. Like, even Margot Robbie in I, Tanya, it's great performance. I particularly don't like this revisionist history on Tanya Harding, but, like, she did a great job. She did an amazing job, and she should be recognized for that. But then to be like, okay, well, someone objectively did a better job acting, I get it's crazy. So don't posture it that way. Don't pretend that this is a thing. What you're talking about, this celebration of movies, that's called the Golden Globes, and we already have that. So let's all go to the Golden Globes, where we can just go, and it's obviously bought and paid for. You know, when you have stuff like Get Out, put in for best comedy. I mean, Matt Damon win for best comedic performance in The Martian. Because why? Because some studio wanted a Golden Globe for Matt Damon. Like, don't make it a competition if it's not a competition. But I'm not saying it's not a competition. Reason is that you have to have an end game though. If you can't just nominate, that's just then like critics, best movies list at the end of year, at the end of the year, there's always a bunch of those kind of lists. So that's fine, but then that doesn't, but then that's it. So the whole point of actually awarding an award gives a bit more finality to it. And the thing is though, is that all it is is marketing. It's all a marketing bit. For, for everything though, but it's, it's 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 marketing for the movies. It's marketing for Hollywood a, as a whole, as the whole myth of Hollywood. It's a marketing for these individual creative types, be it actors, directors, these editors, whoever they are. It's still marketing themselves then also, which I don't have a problem with because it's a business of show. And like you are your product in a lot of these categories, like specifically the front facing ones being actors and directors and, and those types, they you're you're showing yourself off i mean and then you could even extend it to the red carpet i mean like you're showing your best self and the self that you want to show to the world it's an extension of it all it all it all kind of works back into itself i have no problem with it being a marketing the whole they are just marketing hollywood as a whole and then you break it down into the smaller categories as well i don't have a problem with that i don't have a problem with it either i don't have a problem with it being marketing let it be marketing but there is no reason why you can't just have the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences be like, these are the top 10 films that we would like to recognize for the year. And then say why they recognize this. Like, these are these are the top five performances that we'd like to recognize this year as standing out in some way. And just say that. But then to put on top of it is like, and there's going to be a winner. And it's like, you know what? Who cares? Who cares who wins this thing? And then everybody gets up there and makes their speeches. And I'm just like, like, look, my opinion on this is why I will never win an Academy Award. Because I'm sure, like, if I ever got close to winning an Academy Award, because I'm that amazing. Uh, if I ever got close, somebody would bring up this podcast and be like, he doesn't even believe in awards. And it would be, like, all political. If I ever were in a position to have won an Academy Award, I would make it a point to not accept the award on my behalf. But I would point out what was extraordinary about all the other nominees because that to me is what the truest thing of the award is is just to be like look all these people are great there's it's kind of bs to give it to one person when you're not going to really find uh, something that is arguably better about one performance over another and occasionally you do have that occasionally you just have like performances that are just so far and away beyond what everybody was expecting or beyond what anybody was doing that they really warrant like a, a consideration. 
I think what Jordan Peele did with the horror genre with Get Out, not that it doesn't have a tradition in horror genre to have social commentary, but he made a very smart, very socially commentary film, and I think he did an amazing job. And I don't believe he was going out to make an Oscar-winning film. I think he was going out to make a really good horror movie, and I think it rises to that level. But beyond all that, my biggest thing, and why I probably have the biggest chip on my shoulder, is that comedies are never recognized by the Academy Award for the extreme hard road it is to make one of those and make one of them really well. And it's always the same type of dramas that win year after year when I fully, fully believe you can tell more truth in comedy than you can in drama. I I agree with that. And I I do think comedy gets the short shrift specifically when you get to the bigger categories of uh, best actor or best drama or, um, or the best picture. Uh, so I, I, but I, it feels like it is changing a bit the tide because of their new, the recent moves they're making within the Academy to broaden their base, broaden the amount of members they have in it and also diversify and bring in new voices. I mean, you know, even five, maybe even three years ago, get out would never have been nominated for a best picture, barely maybe nominated for best screenplay, let alone win it. So I, I think you could see a bit of a, a changing, tie within the voting and what type of movies and what type of shows get nominated, what type of people get nominated. So I, so that is, that is why I think though, again, it is a bit of a snapshot of the environment within movies at that point and what is considered respectable. And I think that's broadening out now. Now, one of the things I wanted to talk about is also, so with these winners though, who get up on stage, what do you think about that being a platform to pitch a certain message that means something to that that person winning award do you think that's a proper thing to do do you think it's an improper thing to do should they just focus on just accepting the award and saying thank you or do you think there it is a a moment where they have a platform to raise awareness of for something they believe in yeah if you're a celebrity and you have a microphone use the microphone for what you want to do i i never understood this like getting down on celebrities for speaking out against cause or for causes against certain things or whatever you you have celebrity people are listening to you you can command millions of people to come to the the movie theater and and watch you or you know so yeah use it for whatever you would like to do i mean who's it? um harry belafonte i mean like that guy like a master class in how to be a social activist and a star i really think that you know you you should do that i i don't think that you have an obligation to do it but i think if you want to you should definitely do it well well how about that flip side because then it also seems there's always a lot of pushback against now people who don't say something in their speech about whatever is a bit of the groundswell in in a movement. And example is I, I was watching the Oscars and I was saw on Twitter that it was like after the third award, because the first two are like, one was an acting, one was uh, a short or a musical or something documentary. I don't know, whatever the, if there was like three that went up there and they said, somebody's like, oh, well, three out of three, no, no mention of uh, women's, you know, women's rights or the women's movement. It's like not going well so far. It's like, I don't think that anybody should have to say anything. And like, 
part of the the other commentary on the Oscars overall, it happens every year, and and specifically this year is how much of a the movement of the moment is being talked about and bringing brought up and is there is there like what is the voice of this this Oscars so far and it seems that there's if there is no message like they I remember reading something on Vulture somebody saying like the Oscars were a mess but they f- eventually found their message and it's like wh- why does it have to have a message why does there have to be a constant theme and it seems like because there was different people with different things some people were talking about diversity as far as you know racial diversity and other people were talking about you know the women's movement and the sexual harassment issues that are that are one of the big issues within the entertainment industry and it's like there's a lot of different ways things people have certain causes they're going after they don't all have to doesn't have to be this one coherent theme where everybody's on the same page like sometimes it happens and that's great and that but other times it doesn't but i i, I hate that that feeling that these have to stand for something the oscars have to stand for something like I, I just don't, I don't, it just feels like, again, it's pushing on your agenda onto something that it couldn't, doesn't have to have an agenda. I agree. I, I 100%. Like, you don't, I think Jimmy Kimmel actually did a really good job of setting the tone at the beginning where he basically uh, leaned into the 90th anniversary of the Oscars. And I I will always watch the Oscars opening monologue. Um, I think that is always very interesting and that does set the tone for the whole thing. And basically, Kimmel set the tone of like, this is about the 90th anniversary of the Oscars. And that's what this is going to be about. And he made a couple like me too jokes, but like nothing that was too harsh. But he also set the the groundwork that if this is a moment that if that wants to be part of it, that it can be, he didn't, he didn't shy away from either the racial diversity or the, the women's movement at all in his monologue. And he, I mean, he. I was pretty surprised when he he directly went head on into like the Harvey Weinstein controversy. He brought it up, and but the point being is again, I think you're you're right though. The monologue does set the tone, and I feel like he set the tone that it didn't have to be that. But I think he allowed if that's part of what you've it needs to be spoken about, then that's fine. But it also doesn't. I think he had a great balance of like you said though. It's also about the 90th awards and celebrating the movies here that that have been nominated. And I, I think that's just what it should be. And whoever brings up whatever they they want to talk about on their platform, if they win an award, that's absolutely fine, in my opinion. But it also doesn't have to be every person have to get up there and stick to this script of what we're going to be talking about. What's the theme of this year? There doesn't have to be a theme. It can be whatever everybody individually wants it to be. If it all coalesces around one thing, great. If not, not a big deal. Right. I, I fully agree with that. I mean, it, yeah, Time's Up, Me Too was, was a big thing this year, and you're going to have to recognize that. But at the same time, the problem with the Oscars is that it ends up being schizophrenic because at one point you're like, okay, this is an individual award, but like also you have to fall in line with the rest of the group. Like, all right, if we're going to say the Oscars are a big deal, then when somebody wins their first, like when Sam Rockwell won his first Oscar after turning in amazing performance after amazing performance, I mean, him in Moon is crazy good. And him in the way, way back is just like... It, it's great like he's just a great phenomenal actor has been doing phenomenal work and he finally gets recognized and to be like okay sam you should say something about the me too movement and not express how grateful you are to like receive the award i, I think is just like looking for something to complain about if he wants to talk about me too great he should if he wants to talk about time's up 
great he should if he wants to talk about the ongoing water crisis in flint michigan great he should but if he also wants to recognize his acting coach for 20 years who's really helped him attain the level that he has i think that's wonderful and i think he should do it then that's some other things that people complain about though is that they say like the oscars feel schizophrenic i don't have a problem with that they're they're a little bit all over the place but they they you know like jimmy kimmel is very good he kept things moving along he kept things light i don't have a problem with that and people complain all the time also about the length of the oscars i have absolutely zero problem with the length of the oscars they run four hours they run four hours i don't care again we're celebrating the movie the industry and just making movies. So like, why would I care if it's four hours of celebrating movies and all the different small aspects of it? I enjoy that, but everybody seems to complain about that. And I, and another article I read on Vulture about somebody saying that opinion that they, he thinks they should be long or longer and that the people complaining about them is, is misguided. And then also the problem is that Oscars perpetuates that by always trying to make a joke about it where they should just embrace it. Be like, Hey, buckle in folks. We're, we're along for this ride right now, but it's going to be a great time. I think, and I agree with that idea that they should just embrace it because they're never going to be a short show. There's a lot, a lot of awards are given out. There's the speech times. And there's also then the musical acts of the, you know, the, the nominated musical scores that are there. But enjoy it. It's a show. It's entertainment. Like, I don't understand why people get all cranky about it. And Sure. There's a very, very, very simple reason why everybody gets cranky. And that's because no matter what, you have a deadline. And you got to get an article written. And you got to get it on the website. And you got to get it out in print. And you need to hit that deadline. So you got to write about something. And if you want to complain about how long something is, or you want to complain about, like, what people are saying like if you really read articles the next day about the academy awards start to notice that roughly most of the things people talk about happen within the first hour or so of the show and then everything else is sort of like tacked on because you have to write the article and you have to get it out and you have to have a fresh take so that people talk about it so people have more clicks Nobody cares how long the Oscars are. So you think that's more of a fabricated thing amongst just uh, entertainment and write news writers? They just... Yeah, you got to write about something. So why not about how long the Oscars are? Why not about the fact that, you know, so-and-so didn't mention, like, Me Too? I just, I get annoyed with posturing. And it's like, when they have to, when Jimmy Kimmel talked about Harvey Weinstein being kicked out of the motion picture arts and sciences... That is a great thing. They obviously should have done that. But you know what? He got kicked out this year, and everybody knew what he was doing. Everybody knew what he was doing. And to, like, turn around and clap your hands and be like, oh, hey, they kicked him out. Yeah, they kicked him out after it became okay to kick him out. Like, that to me is the biggest just F you to anybody who was ever assaulted by him that was like, We'll kick him out when it's convenient for us to do so. After the Weinstein Company isn't turning out Oscar-winning movies, then we'll kick him out. After he sold Miramax, that basically was the name of the indie film movement, then we'll kick him out. I, 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 I look, I, I, I totally accept that there is elitist, smug attitude among many people in the entertainment industry that they are ahead of the curve and that they fight for people's rights and such like that. And there, there's definitely hypocrisy within the ranks, but I, I, I don't think they're any different than any other business outside of that. They sometimes try to tub thump that they are crusaders 
for betterment of people when they fall into the same trappings that any other business does. Every big business type of industry has these problems, say, with sexual harassment. So I'd say that's the biggest problem is that they sometimes try to be as if they're the good Samaritans in all this and they're the ones that are above it when they're not. But again, see, this is my problem. That this is where this is comes back for me where the problem comes. Everybody then expects the Oscars to be this resounding uh, pushback and moment and of clarity and total, you know, purging of everything. But then, it, but it's there's too many people putting on too many of their issues onto the Oscars that they should do this, they should do that, they should do this, they should do everything. And when they don't get a little bit of that from the Oscars, then all of a sudden it's a mess, they're outdated, or this is just a farce. And add on the idea that we we're talking about earlier of you know whether these an award show is even uh, a good idea for a subjective industry. Uh, everything is subjective within it. Again, I just think in the end of it, just look at its purest form. It's an advertisement while also being a celebration of everything that's good in the movie business, not everything that's bad. And you can bring it up and you can call it out and you can use that as those moments to to call out hypocrisies or issues that you think are worth talking about. But to just blanket call it a, a farce to me is just you're totally missing the point and just using it as a, as a as a folly for what your your little picadillo is. I I agree. I, I I agree that you can't turn around to the Oscars and say, well, it's not my the Oscars I would have wanted, so it doesn't count. I would rather more people get recognized and have less top awards handed out but i know it's a thing now like you can't humans are meant to be competitive like so whatever i'm going back to this and i'm kind of i think going over this a little bit more but i didn't bring up this one specific point of, but you are still recognizing movies that normally would not have been recognized now i'm not saying this happens all the time but like william defoe is the nominated in the florida project would you know what the florida project is if william defoe necessarily wasn't nominated would yeah you know, because it was the guy who did tangerine he shot a whole film on his iphone right but, uh, but it, that's it us but we're, that's us that's like, us you would within, have to know who would but that's us within the entertainment industry we're more in tune to this but i'm saying just more casual everyday moviegoers that don't follow the every ups and downs on deadline of the movie industry wouldn't know what that movie is or even moonlight last year what would you even know what moonlight was unless it was nominated let alone one best picture where you get a bigger audience this is why i say it's more of a marketing ploy than anything that these the, the reason it becomes sort of political is because especially these smaller movies and independent uh, production companies, they know that if they can get a, an Oscar nomination, that is free publicity to them, to an audience that normally their normal ads and marketing wouldn't reach. Because the fact that you're nominated puts you more on a radar of a more casual movie going audience. And, they, and there's might be people just like, oh, well, that movie is nominated for Academy Award. Let me go check it out. Let me go. Oh, that won the Oscar. Let me go check that out. I'm sure that Moonlight's uptick was much, much more than if it was never even nominated. Isn't isn't that? But isn't that a, that that to me is that to me it takes away all of the negatives that you could possibly say about the Oscars because you're, you're again you're shining light on things that normally that that the works of art that would never nobody would have known about. I don't think that takes away all the ills. You can't say that just because it does some good that it like magically becomes this canonized thing that can't be criticized like but what 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 is so bad about the oscars though overall like what is it what's bad about the oscars then to me the worst part about the oscars is just the fact that you are claiming 
to hand out the best something in a completely subjective arena. And a lot of it isn't even the best. Like, it isn't even like you could go back in a historical way and look at, like, okay, this was the best performance as judged by whoever, like the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. This is the best performance from 1965. And you can be like, okay, let's see what they were looking at. When it's like, you can look at something and it's like, no, that w- that was clearly not the best performance. That was something that was a makeup award because they never gave like an award to this person before. And that's the type of stuff that just makes it so that then but look at the movies that like look at the movies that want like i and i wrote this in in a blog article that an example of what i'm trying to say is that shining light on a movie that i normally would not have known about is amadeus it was it was in the year that i was born so i was always checking out what what one in the year i was born amadeus like what is amadeus ends up being it's a movie about mozart and aristocracy and classical music that is not a movie that i normally would have been like yeah that's cool like let's go check that out but since it won the Academy Award, I was like, okay, I'll watch it. And it ends up being one of my most favorite movies I've ever seen. So my point is, is that that allows me to go back and see what was good that year. But here's the other thing. I want to, I'm, I'm actually looking up. That was the 56th Academy Awards. So, okay. So it might've been in 1985 would have been the 57th. Cause it would have been the year that it was done. Amadeus and then F. Murray Abraham won for best actor, but I want to know who else was nominated in that year because that would be interesting to me is like yes i agree shining the light on who was nominated and shining a light on those pictures that do deserve recognition i totally like i totally get um i think that is the best part of the awards i think if it was just literally like a top 10 list of movies and then top five um from each of the other major categories i think that's that to me is all the Academy Award needs to be. I think it overstretches when it hands out the best. But but uh, but uh, 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 I, I do want to say though because even though they win, like you you declare somebody's best at something or whatever category, this is just a consensus. Like there's no there's no it's not a final arbiter. It's not of what is actually the best that year. It is a consensus. Except pick. they say the best. The best movie, the best. But everybody understand, like it's still a subjective art that, like, you they might declare that the best, but nobody's actually saying that's it. Like, forget every other movie that year. It, it, again, it's just a, it's to me the final co- uh, culmination of a year of that's the consensus one. Like, let's give them award and recognize them. This is what we think represents the best of this year. But again, it's still subjective. So it's, it's, if you're going to put on that, like, does that take away? So Saving Private Ryan in 1997 lost to Shakespeare in Love. Shakespeare won and up winning Best Picture, which most people say was probably pretty much a dumb move. Like Saving Private Ryan probably should have won it. But again, there was politicking behind it, behind the scenes that pushed it over the top. But, but who's to say what all of a sudden now Saving Private Ryan's not a good movie? Like everybody just forgets about Saving Private Ryan. I think more people probably remember Saving Private Ryan than Shakespeare in Love. So do they always get it right? No. And does it does it take away from what other movies have done that year? No. But they were still nominated. And 
if you're handing out awards and it's not based off of a mathematical point system, yeah, you can make mistakes in that. But who cares? I mean, does it really make a difference? Like, do I, I I've learned to not be offended by the fact that Saving Private Ryan didn't win Best Picture over Shakespeare in Love. Like, I still love Saving Private Ryan. Shakespeare in Love is just an okay movie in my opinion. But so what? Like, life moves on. It, 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 again, though, but that year it was still celebrating those movies. First of all, if you're offended that Saving Private Ryan didn't win, you really need to, like, step back and take stock of your life to just realize that, like, there these aren't, that important outside of like the industry that we are in but the problem is listen as somebody who is a student of comedy and and loves comedy and pursues comedy like i bristle at award shows on principle and the fact and basically it comes down to the fact that and this could be sour grapes and i will i will totally own that that this may be entirely sour grapes they don't recognize comedies they never recognize comedies as anything more than just like entertainment when they are some of the best movies that are made every year now granted this year was not a big on heavy hitting comedies there were not a lot of good ones but the fact that you have to go back to something like you know some like it hot before you're looking at like comedies being nominated like juno wins for best screenplay like and it was nominated for like well, but I but I read in another article about pointing out some of these things. And they did used to say in the past, uh, best original screenplay was a good bellwether of a film that's outside of the normal way Oscars look at the Academy looks at certain movies that they recognize that it's really good, but they can't take themselves to give it a best picture. Which I'm not saying is is not a problem but they there was a recognition that that you watch the uh, original screenplay category which is usually where they will not they will get, hand the award out to something a little bit less mainstream but that is recognized as something really good get out i think fits into that mold this year as well but like but again it's a recognized but it's still recognized it's still recognized for sure okay i want to challenge you on this one thing and uh and to, to your point that it's just all about recognizing films and it doesn't matter and it's just, you know, whoever wins Best Picture, whatever, sometimes they get it wrong, that it's all the same and just being nominated is its own reward. Um, I want to know if you can name any of the other movies that were nominated for Best Picture in the year that Amadeus won. Because you were talking about it, I did look it up. But I, I don't know any of the other movies that were nominated. Like, I don't actually know what they are. Oh, you do? The Killing Field is amazing, but it's Passage to India, Places in the Heart, and a Soldier Story. A Soldier Story I've never heard of, and I probably will have to go look that up. But The Killing Field is one of my favorite movies. And I just, that to me, like, not that Amadeus is a bad movie. I love Amadeus. It's so good. I think F. Murray Abraham as Salieri is so, like, brooding and so intense. And, like, he gets, he gets so, like... The anger that that man can just hold in his body while trying to be so proper is just... And he won, he won Best Actor that year. Winning Best Picture puts you in a different category, and that puts you in a place where you're held up above the rest of the things that are nominated. And to me, that's where it goes wrong. You should just be nominated. Like, and let it be at that. And I think if that were a thing, I would be like, yeah, I'm fine. I don't care. That's my two cents. All right. Well, obviously, we'll uh, not change each other's opinions on this one. I, I, uh, I just want to say that I love the Oscars. I love the pomp and circumstance. I love the history to it. 
and I enjoy all of the celebration of film that the Oscar entails. But I enjoy the Oscars for what they are, and that's a celebration. Of I, I mean, and that's fine. And I, I totally appreciate that. And I love, listen, I love me some dance movies. So, you know, watching a good song and dance at the Oscar, I'm, I'm all for. Absolutely. All right. So uh, let's wrap up. Did you have any trivia for me this week? Uh, no, I actually <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was really derelict of duty of doing anything that was uh, super. The thing that I'm looking forward to in this coming week is um, Altered Carbon on Netflix. I'm going to probably binge watch that one. Um, I heard that was really, really good. I've heard nothing but great things about it. Uh, speaking of Blade Runner earlier in the thing. And then also there was this new movie that popped up on Netflix called Mute. Have you seen the ads for this? I, I've seen the ads for it. It's with uh, Paul Bentley. Is Paul? Yeah, and uh, Paul uh, Paul Rudd. Um, and yeah, it looks interesting. They look both Alter Carbon and Mute have a same a similar aesthetic and uh, setting. It seems like in the future, a little more dystopic uh, future. But I, I so I, I've seen both. I've seen the ads for both Alter Carbon. I doesn't really pique my interest so i'm curious to see how you feel about it once you binge watch it this week so let me know so is that what you're uh calling your attention to is that your spotlight of the week of those two show yeah i'm checking those out this week that's good uh i was trying to just think of something um i'd say my spotlight of the week is this app that i use called toggle and it is a time tracking app and so i've been time tracking what uh, my different activities of the week, but mostly with just like the creative stuff that I'm doing, either be it I'm writing a script, if I'm writing like a blog article, if I'm editing some sort of video, if I'm recording this podcast right now, I'm tracking that time. So I found time tracking to be very helpful with helping me focus more than anything. Like I don't actually look too much at the stats at the end of the day. I just, it actually, when I click the button that says I'm doing said project, said task, I find myself focusing in more and being less allowed my ADD to pull me around and drift away from that. So I found it very helpful in that aspect of just being able to focus in more on exactly the task uh, of what uh, at the moment, which so that that has been something very good with me. Okay. How, how much is that app? It's free. Oh, so where do you think they're selling your information? Uh, they are. They are. They, I don't think they're selling the information. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Touche, my friend. So, well, if they know that I am editing a podcast, recording a podcast, writing a Sorry. script, writing a blog Sorry. article, what am? Sure, go for it. Go ahead and sell me ads if you want to. It seems it's more one of those upsell type of aspects where they, you know, it's free for like you know up to because i think it's more for like businesses that use it to track a team's okay uh activities and such so there's all these upsells so you can have like team members and extra features so they do just a more basic set of features for the free version so i don't know if they're tracking and using info as much because there's not really honestly much info to grab but touche touche my friend touche all right, let's wrap this up. And uh, where can everybody check you out, though? Twitters, Facebook, Instagram. Do you have any of those? Oh, yeah. Um, at Anthony Hudex on Instagram, at Anthony Hudex Twitter, at Anthony Hudex Facebook, just Anthony Hudex, H-U-D-A-C-S. All right, perfect. And I'm at, at J Stravs. That's J-S-T-R-A-V-S on Twitter. Uh, I think that might be my Instagram handle, but I'm more on Twitter than anything. Uh, you can also check out my blog at Medium 
patreon.com backslash creative dash differences. So uh, if that's it, I will talk to you next week, man. All right, next week. Later, bud.